Hey, my loves, welcome back to the self-care keto podcast. I'm your coach, Jess, and I'm bringing you a magical experience to help you release the weight from your body and your soul. Today, we're going to be talking about the real reason to lose weight, and it's probably not what you think it is. You know, you might be thinking the real reason, like, doesn't everybody just have their own reasons? It's okay for everybody to have different reasons. Yeah, absolutely. But what I'm asserting today is that this reason is so simple and so profound, and oftentimes we completely miss it, and we attach ourselves to other reasons. And maybe the reasons that we're attached to right now are actually (laughs) the truth about why we're not losing weight, why we're not actually getting to where we want to go, because we haven't attached to a reason that is real enough to get us to where we actually want to go. And that's for a very good reason, because we intelligently resist a lot of bullshit reasons. And the reason that I'm going to share with you today is the opposite of that. It is the reason that if you attach yourself to it, you will get to your goal of losing weight or to any goal that you have for yourself. It's true. So hang in tight with me. But before we go there, I just want to say thank you for being here. Whether this is your first episode or whether you have literally listened to every single episode and for those of you who have, oh my God, I'm blown away. I'm blown away. And I know some of you, you reach out to me. We have conversations on Instagram. I'm so thankful for you. You guys are the reason that I'm recording right now. Um, And I just am so honored that you're listening. So thank you for being here. The real reason to lose weight is sovereignty. What the heck is that word, right? It's a word that we don't use a lot unless maybe you follow <laughs> certain circles on Instagram and, you know, um, you know, psychological, spiritual type of language, right? Um, or it also is actually very political language, sovereign, actually. Um, but typically, we might use this word sovereignty interchangeably with freedom or autonomy, but it is slightly different and in a really important, powerful way. So autonomy, right? Like we think about like, okay, bodily autonomy, um, you know, being an autonomous um, person or an autonomous country, an autonomous state, whatever, um, politically. So autonomy is the right to self-governance And it's given to you, you're allowed to the right to self-governance by a higher authority. And so that is pretty different than sovereignty, which sovereignty means you are the authority. Like nobody actually has to imbue you with this authority to self-governance. Sovereignty is not given, it is taken. When I read that, when I was reading about sovereignty, I actually, you know, was Googling like, okay, well, what's the difference here between like autonomy and sovereignty? Because they seem kind of the same, Um, but no. So autonomy is given to you. Sovereignty is not given. It is taken. And I don't look at that, you know, in like a colonialism, imperialistic type of way. That's not what I mean by it. What I mean by it, in a, that it gave me chills when I think about it, is that you take it, like you step into your rightful place of sovereignty. You step into what is already the truth of what you have, but for whatever reason, you've been taught that you don't have this. So when I was talking earlier about if you can attach yourself to this reason, I honestly think that we already are naturally attached to this reason, but we have 
become detached from it because of lies that we've been taught and we've been conditioned. So sovereign, it's not a word we hear all the time. Um, When I was growing up, I used to hear this word in reference to God. So I grew up in a very, um, a very conservative evangelical Christian church and, you know, Bible believing and preaching, you know, weekly and singing worship songs and all of the things. And so I would hear this word sovereign growing up. Um, there's some scripture verses that kind of talk about it, like this, where um, Jesus is kind of, you know, speaking to crowds for the first time in the synagogue. And he says, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is upon me. He's anointed me to preach good news. Um, and we used to sing this little worship song about um, about that. And um when I went to Bible college, we would learn about the attributes of God. And, you know, God is um, omniscient, meaning he knows everything. God is omnipotent, meaning he's all powerful. God is sovereign, right? What does sovereign mean? It means that you are the authority, right? But what I was taught a little bit more about what does it mean for God to be sovereign, it means that God can do what he pleases. And, you know, honestly, I'm trying to get away from uh, the he, him pronouns. So I'm working on it because of course, you know, God is, is neither male nor female and both and, you know, but God can do what it pleases God to do simply because God can and because it pleases God to do it. That's it. God can do as God pleases. And it seems so simple and it's so profound and I was taught, you know, I I was, of course, such a curious kid. Why did God create anything? Why did God make us? Why are we here? You know? And I was taught as a kid and I was taught in, you know, higher education classrooms, undergrad and graduate. Um, Why did God create anything? Simply because it gave God pleasure to do so. There was no lack in God that God made the universe and God made us. There was no you know, God was lonely, none of that, right? Because to think that God had any need outside of God almost makes God cease to be God, right? It it would, it would change some other attribute of God, right? So the truth that I was taught at the time was simply that because it pleased God, because God could, and because God wanted to, that's why God made us. And that's why, you know, God wanted to experience what it would be like to create what God imagined could be. And then God did it. And God said it was good. And I was never able to actually attach to this. I'm like, really? Like, it seems like it has to be more complicated than that. Like, it really never felt that true to me. What felt more true to me was all sorts of bullshit that I was conditioned with growing up in church, like that um, you have to suffer to grow and God wants you to suffer um, because, you know, you're kind of born bad or broken or whatever, and God needs to teach you, teach you a lesson and <laughs> like all sorts of, you know, just crazy stuff that I was conditioned with. And so when I was given from the same source that taught me these things, that God made us simply because it gave God pleasure to do so, that God takes pleasure in us. It, it never really actually landed. And that makes me really sad. Um, but in past years, I've deconditioned, deconditioned a lot of that, deconstructed a lot of that. And what really made this 
true for me to believe in God's sovereignty, meaning God can do as God pleases. Of course, I would like rationally assent to that. Yes, God can do as God pleases, um, simply because God likes it and because God can and because God wanted to do it, right? So I haven't really spoken openly about this quite yet. And this won't be the last time that I do because there's so much to say about it. But I had my very first psychedelic experience back in November. I went on a retreat to Portugal with a fantastic company called Behold Retreats. And I did psilocybin magic mushrooms in Portugal. And I did a couple of different ceremonies and it was absolutely life-changing. And the reason that I approached it was because I had done so much research and seen so many amazing clinical, positive research-based outcomes about how psilocybin can help you to rewire your brain. And if you guys have been around here for a while, you know that that's something that I am so passionate about is rewiring your brain, neuroplasticity, which basically means that the brain can um, change and adapt. It's plastic, meaning it's changeable. And this is such a hopeful um, phenomenon because it means that we can change. We can change our behaviors and we can change our beliefs. And in order to change our uh, behaviors, we must change our beliefs because if we don't change our beliefs, inevitably when our willpower runs out, when the short-term behavior modification eventually runs out, which it does, we've all lost those same five pounds over and over again, or, you know, given up on a goal after the first two weeks or the first month or whatever it might be. It's because we, when our willpower runs out, we inevitably default back into line with our beliefs. And I had done so much work over the last, gosh, I mean my whole life, but particularly the last five to seven years um, of just healing, you know, going to trauma therapy, um, changing my diet and my nutrition, trying to change my beliefs, trying to look at my childhood wounds and where these beliefs came from and, you know, choosing new beliefs that are actually serving me and repeating them over and over again, practicing affirmations, um, filling my brain with, um, (laughs) you know, good information, hopeful information about how we can change ourselves and, you know, learning the strategies, the concrete strategies of how to do things, but also, um, you know, believing the necessary beliefs that it takes, you know, to actually latch on to some of these things and, and go do them. So, so much inner work. And yet still my brain, like any other human brain would love to revert back to its old familiar patterns that had been in me since childhood and that were not serving me. And I believed firmly that, uh, psychedelics can enhance the neuroplasticity and boy, oh boy, it was true. Like, and I'm going to talk so much more about the neuroplasticity superpowers that this experience gave to me, but also it gave me quite a mystical experience during the psychedelic experience, which is also common, not for everybody, but common. And to be honest, that's not the reason why I was doing it. The primary reason I was doing it is because I wanted the rocket fuel to actually make the changes that I have long wanted to be able to make, but they felt just beyond my reach, or at least it just felt like it was going to take so long. And honestly, and I will talk so much more about this in future episodes, but it really did deliver on that. It gave me the rocket fuel to just accelerate that process so much. I feel like in the last three months, um, I have probably changed (laughs) more than I could in five years. Like 
it probably would have taken me that long to make all the changes that I have made in the last three months. Like just my entire inner world feels so completely different. And the neuroplasticity is definitely, definitely to credit for that. But also the mystical experience that I had, (laughs) it changes you. And what I had was an experience of coming into contact with the infinite. And, you know, they talk about this like ego dissolution, you kind of lose your sense of self and feel united with all that is, um, you lose sense of, um, time and space. And I, I, I felt all of that and, you know, I'm not going to go too deeply into it today, but I had some incredible insights from that experience for a time as though, you know, there were any time where I, when I was there, but for part of it, I felt like I was able to ask questions and get answers. And because I felt infinite, I was asking, why do we become finite if we are infinite? And the answer that I was given was because we like it and because we can, because I like it and because I can, because I want to experience in the finite what is possible in the infinite. And I know this sounds really (laughs) woo-woo. And I know it sounds maybe trippy to some people too, depending upon who you are and what you believe about these things. But when I tell you that I used to rationally assent to these types of things, like, yeah, oh, sure. You know, I believe, I believe that. Um, I believe that we create our own reality. I believe, you know, that if we change our thoughts, we can change our life. And, you know, all these things that like I was passionate about and rationally was convinced of, I directly experienced this. Like, I, I don't know. It's ineffable, honestly. That's one of the qualities of a psychedelic experience is you literally can't put it into words. But I came away with this intense feeling of I like my life. I had so many things about my life, people in my life popping into my head during this experience. And it was just the most intense feeling of like for everything. And it was so beautiful, honestly, the most beautiful experience of my life. And I came away from that experience knowing that the reason that I do anything is because I like it and because I can. And that that is true for me because of being made in God's image, because that is what God does. And <laughs> I mean, it feels so so um, wild to even be sharing it with you, right? These are things that I've treasured in my heart for the last three months. But I think that it is so important to talk about it today in regards to this episode, because that is what sovereignty is. You can do what pleases you just because you can and because you want to, and because you like it. And this is inherent to you. We are born with this drive to do what we can just because we like it. Does a child walk because she feels worthless until she does, or because she feels like she should, or she has to, or because she's scared what will happen if she doesn't? No, it doesn't come from any place of lack, but it is a human need for her to walk, right? So, um, and she knows you know, not consciously, but subconsciously, I mean, in her being, that she has the self-sufficiency to be able to meet the need. And that's why she keeps getting up and trying to do it over and over and over again. I remember when my daughter was learning to walk uh, right around the age of one and so many times falling, getting back up, falling, getting back up, falling, getting, getting back up. Never once did I see her exhibit any signs 
of giving up on the process, um, of, of maybe considering that she shouldn't or that it's not worth it or that maybe it's, she's just not cut out for it, right? Like, I mean, that seems so ridiculous, preposterous to even think that a baby would be thinking anything like that because it's learned. And obviously we're using a really simple example of, you know, walking, but this applies to anything that you want to do. You have the self-sufficiency to meet the need of doing what you can simply because you want to and because you like it. You have the internal resources to figure it out. Why do people invent new things, learn to fly, go to outer space, explore the whole earth, become Olympians because we like it and because we can. It pleases us to do what we're capable of doing just to experience it. And that's why God does anything. There is no lack. That's why we do anything. And if we're not doing it for that reason, if we're doing it from a place of lack, that's why we're not actually doing what we want to be able to do. And in the context of this episode, we're calling it losing weight, right? So how does a child know that they can walk? By seeing other people do it. How do you know you can lose weight? You look around and you see other people who look like you want to look right? You see other people's stories. Some of us spend a lot of time looking at other people's stories of that they actually did lose weight, right? Like the before and after photos. I mean, they're everywhere, right? And it does feel really inspiring to look at those and to read people's stories and to actually see. And I love putting this stuff on my Instagram too. Like realistic, what realistic weight loss looks like. (laughs) You know, I'm going to show you people who lost 12 pounds. I'm going to show you people who lost 25 pounds, you know, like not uh, you know, you're not going to go on my Instagram page and see the people who lost a hundred pounds in four months, because I honestly think that these are the sensationalized stories and we get obsessed with the sensation, the sensationalized stories, but realistic weight loss is sustainable, oftentimes a lot slower than we probably want it to be, but we can do it. We can, because we look around and we see other people who have done it. You look around and you see other people who look like you want to look. And that inspires that drive inside of you of, I can, and I want to, and I would like to. And I'm basically proposing that that can be a good thing, right? Um, you know, sometimes we, we look at this and we're like, oh, don't compare yourself to other people. No, there can be a good kind of looking around and seeing what's possible and letting that inspire you. So a lot of um, women that I work with, so they'll come to me and they'll say, oh, for me at this point, it's really not about aesthetics. I'm, I'm done with that. It's more about health. Yes, great. So we definitely want to focus on how we want to feel. But you also have a belief of how you could feel when you look the way you want to look. And we've really started to like knock on this. And I'm, I want to push back against that a little bit. Like there is like a valuable character trait. Some of us have more of this value than others do, but appreciation of beauty and excellence. So um, one of the activities that I do with my clients a lot is taking a values assessment. And what are your values in life? And, you know, it could be, you know, judgment, prudence, humor, zest, adventure, spirituality, love, kindness, honesty, you know, like all sorts of things. And one of the strengths on this test is called appreciation of beauty and excellence. And man, I love that one. And yeah, 
that's something that humans have. We appreciate beauty and excellence. That's why we make art. That's why we um, push ourselves to the limits and do things in an excellent way. So this is subjective. There's no objective definition of beauty, but you know it when you see it. And you have aesthetic sovereignty. You can change your aesthetics simply because you can and because you want to and because you like it. And nobody says shit about cutting your hair short or growing it long or changing the color because you wonder what you would look like with a different hairstyle or with a new clothing item or with a new makeup look. And, you know, people say that's self-expression, go for it. But why do we knock on changing the way that our body looks? So you know when you look in the mirror and it doesn't actually express yourself. So you have aesthetic sovereignty to change that. And that is a valid reason. But we invalidate ourselves. We sit around and we're like, who am I to think that I can prioritize aesthetics? That's just selfish and vain. And we talk ourselves out of that being a valid reason. But guess what? It doesn't go away because it is valid. It is the most valid and essential part of being human, of being made in God's image to do something because you're curious and you want to and you like it. But we wait until we have some health diagnosis to get ourselves back to functionality, which is the one thing we actually deem ourselves worthy of, instead of just curious optimization, pursuing, wondering how good you could feel, how much you might like it. So there is a good kind of jealousy of being grateful that other people show you what you're capable of because whatever you admire in someone else is actually the potential inside of you and whatever you want, God wants for you. What if we tried to suppress a kid from walking? What if we said, oh, well, it's not actually a need. There are ways to move about the world without it. Maybe it's not for you. Maybe, maybe your time and effort would be better directed at something else. If we prevented a child from walking or even tried to suggest that they could or should be content without it, we would be put in jail or a psych ward. And yet, this is what we do to ourselves. So any reason that you have to lose weight, other than because I can and I want to and I like it, it's either not going to get you to your desired result of weight loss because it's not feeling how you want it to feel and you will intelligently resist the lies that are wrapped up in that. Lies like, I'll be happy when, I'll be worthy when, I'll be lovable when, I'll approve of myself when, I will feel free when. Any reason to lose weight that is rooted in fear and shame and judgment and lack instead of in love, in honoring your own sovereignty and other sovereignty. It's not gonna, it's either not gonna get you you're going to give up. You're not going to get to the desired result of weight loss, or it will get you to the desired result on the scale, but not to the desired feelings that you actually believed you would have. You will just move the goalpost and think that that's the issue. It's still the the lie. I'll be happy when maybe it's a, a, you got to see a smaller number on the scale, or now that you reach the number on the scale, it's on to the next thing. I'll be happy when I, whatever it is. But if we do it out of sovereignty, because we want to, because we can, and because we like it, because we can do what pleases us, then we will actually feel sovereign, meaning we'll feel freedom and power and pleasure. And we will see what we did because we could, and then we'll imagine the next thing and do the next thing. This is why I'm so passionate about weight loss as a domino affected women's lives, because it was in mine 
like the confidence that I gained from actually doing something that I could because I wanted to and because I liked it and because it was mine to do. It, I did it and it created this domino effect in my life and I saw that I could do what I wanted to do. And then I imagined the next thing that I could do and did that. You know, and for me, that was leaving my full-time job. And of course, I had those thoughts. Who am I to leave this wonderful job that I actually really enjoy and I'm excellent at doing and I'm helping so many people doing it, right? And I'm making really great income doing it. Who am I to (laughs) want more, right? To want to do something that I'm not just excellent at, but that lights me up like coaching women, You know, who am I to think that I could be a successful entrepreneur? But I wanted to. And I saw that I could do the last thing that I wanted to do because I was curious about how much better I could feel when I did it. And then I did do it. I felt amazingly different. And I wondered, I wonder what it would feel like to work for myself, to get to do this all day, every day after it had been just a side hustle. And I let that drive me because it's the most natural drive in the world. It is to be human. It is to be made in God's image to feel curious. I wonder what it would feel like. I wonder how much I would like it to go do the thing that I can do and want to do. And so many things since then. So I see this domino effect in my own life and I see it every day with my clients. So remember, sovereignty is not given. It is taken. You don't, you step into it. You don't need anyone else's permission. And I say this all the time, but the number one regret of the dying, people on their deathbeds, I wish I lived a life true to myself instead of what other people expected of me. But we project onto other people and use that as an excuse to limit ourselves. But whatever anyone else is saying to you or that you imagine they're thinking and judging that actually feels true about why you shouldn't do what pleases you, that's not in them. It's actually in you. It's because there's a part of you that agrees with it. If somebody just said something to you that you totally thought was you know, just total bunk, then you wouldn't let it bother you. You wouldn't let it control your life, right? If, you know, somebody walked up to you on the street and just screamed in your face, you're a purple dinosaur. You would be like, okay, you know, (laughs) that person's nuts and just walk away, right? But if you had somebody come up to you on the street and they screamed in your face, you're a racist, you know, you would probably be thinking about that for a while afterwards because, Probably there's a small part of you that is like, oh my God, am I? Like, you know, I I better check myself and do my work and explore this and blah, 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 right? Like the only reason that something would stick with you and you would let that bug you afterwards is because maybe there's a small part of you that agrees with it. So the goal would be to do your own inner work on that until you're convinced that it's not true and you're not going to let somebody else's opinion of you hold you back, right? Or change anything about your life. So it's the same thing with whatever anyone else is saying to you or you imagine that they're thinking and judging that feels true about why you shouldn't do what pleases you with the aesthetic of your body or losing weight for health or whatever whatever reason you want to lose weight. So a part of you has been conditioned with that lie, whatever it is that the reason is that you shouldn't do it. You shouldn't do what pleases you. A part of you has been conditioned with that lie and has latched onto it because it appears that it's meeting some other need maybe for love and belonging, maybe for safety and security. So, you know, if I prioritize this because it pleases me to do so, then other people are going to think that I'm selfish. Um, Other people are going to think that I've changed, that now I'm vain, um, that, you know, I'm not going to have time for the people that I love. Um, 
you know, whatever, whatever it is that you're attaching to it. Maybe you're afraid that you're actually going to lose your sense of love and belonging, that it's going to distance you from people or that it's, you're going to lose your sense of safety and security, which is very connected. But any situation in which you don't actually have sovereignty, it's not truly love. It's not. And it's not truly safety. It's only by taking your sovereignty that you experience how truly loved you are and how truly safe you are by what remains and doesn't fall away. (laughs) The people that are still there, they're the people that really love you. They're the people that really bring safety to your life. I'm not saying be an asshole, you know, but I am saying be true to yourself and showing love to yourself and others. And that is completely doable. So while we need to do what we can, it is a human need. Um, I like to talk about Maslow's hierarchy of needs with my clients and we do like a needs assessment and we kind of look at um, oftentimes where are we allowing food to fill the role of this other very important human need and, you know, needs like safety and security, love and belonging, um, a sense of of sufficiency, um, a sense of doing meaningful things in the world. Right, And at the very top of Maslow's hierarchy of needs is essentially sovereignty, but he calls it self-efficacy or transcendence or whatever. But essentially it is doing what you can, uh, reaching your full potential, right? And that this is actually a human need. We are driven to it, just like the child that needs to walk, right? So while we need to do what we can, And that's the most essential part of being human. We also need people and resources who will help us to do what we can. And that's what I'm here offering to you. So as always, you know, I want to let you know about a few different ways that you can work with me. I offer a monthly mindset class once a month. And the topic this month for the um, month of February is self-compassion. So if you struggle with self-compassion, If you are attaching any other reason to your weight loss other than simply because you like it and you love yourself and you can and you want to, then this is a fantastic class for you to listen to. It's going to really help you to detach from all the bullshit reasons, right? And to have self-compassion for the ways in which you have not yet up to this point been able to heal your relationship with food and weight and body image have compassion for the ways in which food has served you in an emotional sense, um, helped you to survive, get to where you are today, um, and to begin to find other internal resources, right? So that we can release, um, we can release that way that food is playing a substitute without not having our needs met. You're not going to go without. You have the internal resources to still get all of those needs met. And the only way that we can do this is from a place of self-compassion. This class is perfect for you. And it's just $22 as with all of my monthly mindset classes. And you can sign up for that at bit.ly slash self-care keto class. And the link is in the show notes. And I also have what I call the self-care keto mindset masterclass, which is my online course. And it has 10 different mindset exercises that I use with my one-on-one clients to really help you make these mindset shifts to heal your relationship with food and weight and body image. And you can get your hands on that at theketofit.com slash mindset. And this is really perfect for a 
um, self-coaching option. So basically you're going to use all of the resources that I use in my one-on-one coaching, but you're going to take yourself through it at your own pace. And then of course I offer one-on-one coaching and this is my absolute favorite thing to do. My, this podcast is my second favorite thing to do, but my first favorite thing to do is one-on-one coaching. And really, I would love to be a part of your journey and help you to do what you can because you want to and because you like it. And that's, that is the essence of who you are. And I would love to help you to reattach to that by removing all the bullshit that's getting in the way. So why sign up for any of this stuff? Because to do what we can, we have to know what we can do. And we know that by seeing it either with our physical eyes or our spiritual eyes or our mind's eye in our imagination. But the journey typically starts with your physical eyes. So you know you can go to college because others in your family did or someone you know and admire did. You know that you can get out of debt because of the same thing. You know you can lose weight because of the same thing. And yes, I have lost over 50 pounds, but so have a ton of other people. You want more than that. You want to heal your relationship with food and weight and body image. And I have done that. And guess what? I didn't used to claim that when it wasn't true. You can actually scroll back through past episodes and listen to me say the truth about where I was in my journey at that point. When I had reduced my emotional eating, but still did it from time to time, I was honest about that. You will, you will hear that on past episodes. And when I no longer felt like a victim to my anxiety, but I knew how to manage it better, I was honest about that. And you will hear me say things like that because that's where I was at that point in my journey. And my story and my tools were valuable at that time. And I take it very seriously to be honest because we never have to be anything more than what we are. And if you try, you're not gonna get what you really want anyway. If you're fake, you're gonna get fake. So I say that to preface, preface, But when I tell you that I have healed my relationship with food and weight and body image, I literally mean it because I'm willing to say the truth of whatever it is. So I have not experienced one incidence of shame in the last three months since this psychedelic experience. That's wild to me. Wild. I mean, shame was a lot fewer and further between than what it ever was in my life before I, I I feel like it used to be a constant state, shame, meaning I am bad. I am the one, it's me. I'm the problem, it's me. (laughs) Like I am the one that is terminably, uniquely screwed up here. You know, like that's what I was taught and that's what I believed, that the problem was me. I blamed myself for everything. And I have not experienced one incidence of shame since this life-changing experience that rewired my brain. And my anxiety now is non-existent. I know that sounds wild, but it's true. I have normal human worry thoughts because it's an emotion and a teacher, but there's no longer anything in my life that I would actually label as anxiety in the sense that it disrupts or takes away any joy from my life or limits me in any way. And I'm not saying any of this shit to brag, but to tell you what is actually possible. And when you're in a relationship with someone who models for you what is possible, you move through the stages of possibility from impossible to possible to probable to inevitable. And I believe I can do anything that pleases me and I'm doing it. And I am confident that I can model for you what a healthy relationship with food and weight and body image is like and so much more. And I take that as a calling actually. That's why I'm doing this. I want everyone to have this. I want you to take your sovereignty and do this because you want to and because you can 
and because you like it. Thank you guys so much for listening in today. You can check out my coaching options at theketofit.com. You can put in a request for a free curiosity call and I would love to connect with you. I'll be back with you next week.